This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. He says in verse 4 of Zechariah 3, Zechariah 3, 4, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. I'm not going to leave you there naked. God said, I have caused that inequity to pass from thee. Such a statement, such a statement of God's personal involvement. He didn't say, I assign this angel that this person's iniquity should pass from him. That was the first description of the Lord Jesus by John the Baptist. John the Baptist and John 129, John 129. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He takes away the sin of the world. An angel didn't take away the sin of the world. The Lord Jesus takes it away, passes it from, pass those filthy garments off of you. The Lord Jesus is the Lamb of God, and he himself personally takes on, takes away the sin of the world. He takes away the sin of the world. Just like in John 1.29, when John the Baptist saw him, in essence, John the Baptist was saying, there he is. There he is. He's the Lamb of God himself. He alone is going to take away the sin of the world all by himself, personally. He's going to remove the sin of the world, going to remove the sin from you. He's going to take it away personally. And this is the spirit of what uh, Jehovah Jesus is saying here in Zechariah 3, 4, in verse 4, Zechariah 3, 4. Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee personally intimately. This is what it means in Revelation 1.5, Revelation 1.5, where it says, Jesus Christ, unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Washed us from our sins in his own blood. How personal. His own blood. How intimate. His own blood. Hosea 13.14, Hosea 13.14 says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be thy plagues. 
O grave, I will be thy destruction. All those I wills, four of them in that Hosea 13, 14. And not once is the, the he will, not once, but it's all I will ransom, I will redeem, I will be the plague of death, I will be the destruction of the grave. Isaiah 25, 8, Isaiah 25, 8. He will swallow up death in victory. That's pretty close. Swallow? Not taste. He did taste death for every man, but he's going to swallow up death. He tastes it in his mouth, and then it keeps going, and he swallows it. He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord will wipe away tears from all faces. Isaiah 25, 8. Isaiah 25, 8. And the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off of the earth, for the Lord hath spoken it. The Lord himself will taste him, he'll swallow up death and victory. And it was hard, it was hard for him to take that cup and taste it and swallow it. As he said in Matthew 26, 39, Matthew 26, 39, he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying, oh my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thy wilt. Death was in that cup. That was death. And he tasted it. And then he kept on, he kept on in his mouth till he drank it all up. He swallowed up death in victory, Isaiah 25, 8. He himself, therefore, he's going to wipe tears away from all faces. That's why he did it. He, he's not going to say to an angel, get a Kleenex and clean up the, the tears. He himself is going to wipe away the tears. He himself is going to take the rebukes just like he did in this chapter we're in with Joshua, the high priest. Because it says in Hebrews 2.14, Hebrews 2.14, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. There's all these personal statements, all these intimate statements. He himself, partaker of flesh and blood, he might destroy the devil, he might deliver them. He speaks in, in Isaiah 43, 25, Isaiah 43, 25, and he says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins. It's another statement of personal, intimate involvement. He says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions. It's like people were saying, who, even who? And he says, I, even I. And we can see him just taking this joy himself as he blots out transgressions. He erases it from those books of the works that are used in judgment. And we're going to talk about Revelation 20. So that when a saved person comes to that final judgment and the books are open to see his sins, all they can see is eraser marks. That's all they see. That's all been blotted out. Or maybe there's just a little bit of blood there. It's the blood of Christ that's used to, to erase and remove all those sins. And the way this verse reads, it says in verse 4, Zechariah 3, 4, verse 4, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee. Pass from thee, not just pass away from thee. Not just that sins are just removed, but specifically they are passed from thee. And that raises the next question, passed from thee to where? Passed from thee to who? And the answer to that question is Isaiah 53, 4. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely, just picture the sins being passed. They passed from him. 
And where are they going to? Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. As just the, the inputs it so well. And all our sins, and all our sins, and all our sins were laid on him. All our iniquities were passed from us unto him. That's how he bore them. That's how he was judged for them. It was all instead of us, instead of us. He was the instead of Savior, instead of us, Savior. And Genesis 22.13 is where that, that concept was first introduced in Genesis 22.13. Abraham has taken his son, has taken his son on a three-day journey, taken his son on a three-day journey with a broken heart, knowing all along his son is the sacrifice. The son goes along until he realizes halfway up the hill of Moriah, he says, here's the fire, father, Isaac says to Isaac, Abraham's son says to Abraham, the father, father, here's the fire. Here's the wood. Here's the knife. Are we missing something? Did you forget the lamb? Where's the lamb, father? Abraham knows it's Isaac. He says, my son, God will provide. God will provide. He's already told the people down below when he left for that last trip up to Mount Moriah. We're going to go there and worship. We will return. Isaac and me will return. He has total confidence. Killed my son. Burned up to ashes, my son. No problem for the God who said that this son's going to make a nation. And he's got confidence. But still, he has to deal with the anxiety with the telling the truth to his son. Genesis 22, 13. Genesis 22, 13. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. The Lord Jesus is the great in the stead of Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. First was this taking away of the filthy garments from Joshua the high priest in verse 4. Then there was the passing of the iniquity from the sinner to the Lord Jesus in verse 4. And now comes the clothing. The clothing just as personal, just as intimate as the taking away of the sins as the receive as the becoming the landing point for the sins, but it says in verse four, verse four, Zechariah three four, I will clothe thee with change of raiment. Continuation of the whole history of Adam and Eve, whole history of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve made themselves aprons in Genesis three seven. They made themselves those ridiculous fig leaf aprons. It's the best they could do. It was pathetic. Genesis verse twenty one. It's a Verse 21, Genesis 3.21, Genesis 3.21, Adam also to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. Two very important steps there. Two very important steps. God made those coats of skin. Nothing could stop God from making those, those coats of skin. Nothing could stop God from making them. God decided to do that, and he immediately made better clothing for them. That's what he did. God didn't need any cooperation from Adam and Eve in order to make those coats of skin. That was totally God's decision and God did it. But number two in that verse, in Genesis 3.21, Genesis 3.21, God clothed them. Well, wait a minute. God clothed them? That involved the decision of Adam and Eve. 
Adam and Eve could have said, get those things away from me. Get those bloody skins away from me. I like my fig leaves better, as Cain did. I like my offering of vegetables better than a blood offering. He could have, they could have done that. They could have followed along in what their firstborn son would do. They could have refused to let God clothe them. And God did not force Adam and Eve to clothe them. God didn't say, now you hold still. I'm going to put these clothes on you whether you like it or not. No, no, that's not God. They were going to be clothed with those coats of skins only if they chose to let God clothe them, only if they submitted to the choice that God had. They had to submit and let God clothe them. They could have refused, just like people today. Christ died for their sins. That was Christ's decision. No one could stop that. That's what happened. Christ died for the sins of man, and man could not stop Christ from dying for his sins. But whether or not a person wants to be saved from his sins, that's up to the individual alone. Man can refuse, and God gives him the ability to refuse. God crowns him with the sovereignty of choice, and sadly, many do refuse. Like that Somali yesterday who told me, he said, if we both died, I was in the lift tech road with him. He said, if we both died, I said, do you mean me right now? If we have an accident, we both die. He goes, yeah, just like that. He says, if we both die, he says, right now, he says, uh, I am not going to receive Jesus. He said, and if I have to receive Jesus, then I'll be burning in hell, he said. Then he said the opposite thing about Allah, which is not worth repeating. So like Joshua, the high priest, he has to be clothed. He has to be clothed. Like Adam and Eve, they had to be clothed. Like it says in Genesis, uh, Galatians, Galatians 3.27, Galatians 3.27. As many of you as has been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, have put on Christ. Job knew it. Job knew it in Job 29.14. Job 29.14, Job said, I put on righteousness. He had already said that he was a sinner repenting in dust and ashes. He already said that. He's already said that he was unclean. But he says in Job 29, 14, I put on righteousness. And we're commanded in Galatians 3, 27, put on Christ. And Isaiah knew it. And Isaiah rejoiced with these new clothes that he had from Jehovah Jesus. He was so happy in Isaiah 61, 10. Isaiah 61, 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. So, oh, it's just like the father of the prodigal son. When the father of the prodigal son saw his son, he in essence says, take those filthy garments off my son and put a new cloth on him, clothing on him. In Luke 15, 22, Luke 15, 22, the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet. That's why we're commanded also, in Romans 13, 14, Romans 13, 14, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Joshua, he was, Joshua the high priest, Joshua the high priest, he was standing there. He had no clothes. He had no clothes, but God did. And this is what God told the church of Laodicea in Revelation 3.18, Revelation 3.18. I counsel thee, he tells the church, buy of me gold tried in the fire thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Do not appear. 
Revelation 19.7, Revelation 19.7 says, let us be glad, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage supper of the lamb has come and his wife hath made herself ready and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Righteousness of the saints, not their righteousness, Christ's righteousness made unto the Christ, made unto them righteousness. So Joshua, the high priest, is clothed in verse five, in verse five. And I said, let them set a fair miter on his, on his head. And they set a fair miter upon his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. What's on that miter? What was on that miter? What was on that hat that he wore? And what was on there was Exodus 39, 30, Exodus 39, 30. Moses was told. And they made the plate of the holy crown of pure gold, and wrote upon it a writing like the engravings of a signet, holiness to the Lord. And they tied it with a lace of blue and fastened it on high upon the miter as the Lord commanded Moses. The high priest, the high priest wore a sign on his hat. He wore a sign on his hat and it said, holiness to the Lord. And what that said was, holiness is from the Lord. What that said was, all righteousness is from God. My righteousness is not my own. I'm wearing God's righteousness. What would it be like if you had a sign on your hat and you walked around every day and it just said, my righteousness comes from God? What would that be like? That's what it was like for the high priest as the like they put that. And then comes this all important statement in verse five, verse five, the, the angel of the Lord stood by. Can't you see it? All this is going on. Jehovah Jesus is standing by. He didn't leave Joshua the high priest. It's a phrase we can cling to. When we're lonely, the angel of the Lord stands by. When we're hurting, the angel of the Lord, Christ himself, stands by. When we're rejoicing, the angel of the Lord stands by. All because Hebrews 13.5, Hebrews 13.5, he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And then God says, how all this is possible? How could all this be? Verse eight, verse eight. Hear now, Joshua, the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at. Behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch, the branch. Joshua is in danger of losing his position as high priest because of his sin. But then God comes back in verse eight and says, and now hear this, O Joshua, the high priest. That's a reinstatement of Joshua, a happy Joshua should be so happy. Joshua, the communication has been restored between you and heaven because you've been forgiven, you've been cleansed. And you say, well, no, that good for Joshua? No, good for us because we are priests. 1 Peter 2.9, 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And what is our role? What is our role in all this as high priests, as priests, as priests? 2 Corinthians 5.18, 2 Corinthians 5.16. All things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. To say, we're supposed to say this, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us this word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you, beg, beseech you by us, 
be, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. So when we, as God's priests, preach the gospel and reconcile men to God, that's something that people look at, they wonder at. And what's our message? What's our message? It's verse eight, it's verse eight. Behold, God said, behold, I'll bring forth my servant, the branch, the branch. That's a favorite term. That's a favorite term in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, you'll find that over and over again. Prophet Isaiah refers to Jehovah Jesus as the branch, the branch, like in Isaiah 53. He appears, the branch appears, and then grows. Isaiah 53, 2, Isaiah 53, 2. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant and a root out of a dry ground. And then the branch produces fruit. What's this, what's fruit? As an outgrowth, like a branch from the main stalk. That's the Lord. In Isaiah 4.2, Isaiah 4.2, in that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. He's beautiful. The branch is beautiful. John 1.14, John 1.14, he's called the Word. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory, his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He's glorious. He's glorious. When he was transfigured on that Mount of Transfiguration in Mark 9.3, in Mark 9.3, it says his raiment became shiny, exceeding white as snow. He speaks about his glory in John 17.5. When he prays to his Father, he prays, he says, uh, and now John 17.5, and now, O Father, glorify me with thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was, and he brings forth fruit. The branch grows out, and then comes the fruit. And the fruit is Hebrews 2.10. Hebrews 2.10, it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. And then he's excellent. Hebrews 1.4, Hebrews 1.4, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by an inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And then he's comely or beautiful for them that are escaped out of Israel. First Peter 2, 7, first Peter 2, 7 says this, unto you therefore, which believe he's precious. He is for all of us because he said he's beautiful for us. Why is he beautiful for us? Because he said, verse nine, verse nine, I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day he says, one day, one day, what was that day? That was the day of Matthew 27, 51. Matthew 27, 51. Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. The earth did quake and the rocks rent. One day, Daniel saw that one day in Daniel 9, 24. Daniel 9, 24, when he said, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness. One day, 2,000 years ago, God removed iniquity when all our sins, all our sins, all our sins were laid on him. He was wounded for our transgressions. And this leaves us with the response of a hymn, I'll live for him who died for me, how happy then my life will be. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the branch. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.